What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS Podcast. I'm Dan Malin, joined by the FSWA two-time NASCAR Writer of the Year. I don't even know if he's got his trophies yet. Matt Sells, what's the status update on the trophies? Uh, I have one of them. The other one I will be getting in a couple of months. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a long, involved story, but essentially the guy in charge of the FSWA has not been at his home in Chicago during covid uh, which is where the trophy is. So, uh, yeah, I'll be getting it when he gets back home, apparently. Um, so, yep, it has right. my name on it. I'll get it in a couple of months. All right. Send up smoke <laughs> signals when you do. Uh, let's talk Vegas a little bit. Uh, just, yeah, It wasn't really a fun race to watch from a DFS perspective because... And it, it wasn't it, it wasn't necessarily just you. It just seems like a lot of people had a bad read on this race. And yeah, even I mean, as, you you and I are in a season long weekly league on DraftKings mm-hmm. that was started by um, Ryan Larkin. Ryan Larkin, um, and there's a bunch of DFS NASCAR <laughs> folks in there. Um, some of FA subs are in there. Some other sites subs are in there. So it's just kind of a fun. Um, you know, a, fu- a fun league. Yes, there's a little bit of money on the line, not all that much, and it's a season-long thing. So, But every one of them in the chat on Twitter last week was like, oh, that was a bloodbath. We got crushed <laughs> up. As did we, because I was, you know, some of the SHR guys, I wasn't that heavy on Kevin Harvick, but Cole Custer and Eric Amarola completely crapped the bed mm-hmm. and did not do <laughs> I mean, after, what, 12 laps, Kevin Harvick was 11th? Yeah. Uh, that's not great. <laughs> um, it was weird, too, because as I was building, so I played 58 lineups, and I spread them across the happy hour, the donut, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite contests, uh, and the chrome horn. And so as I was building my lineups, as I got through about the first 15, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of building around the same guys. And so I started mixing in, like, dominators, and I threw in a lot more Kyle Larson um, unfortunately, I threw in some Kurt Busch lines, but he didn't kill me. The problem was is that all these shares that I had of Kyle Larson um, and Brad Keselowski, they were wasted because I had so much Eric Almarola and Cole Custer. And so I, I feel like I just wasted a really good week where I got Kyle Larson at low ownership. And Brad Keselowski, whose, whose ownership was actually a little higher than I anticipated, but I had so many stacks with those two, and it just went for – it was all for nothing. Yeah, I missed the boat on Larson. I did not play nearly enough. I think I had him in a lineup with um, one of the other dominators. I think it was Joey Logano. I had Logano and Larson, and that, of course, Logano was the only Penske guy who didn't move up. Um, I didn't have enough Eric Jones. Um, after sure saying, what? I'm sure you did on. Oh, Fandle. I did on Fanduel, but the, <laughs> the other problem was that I put him with guys who spent the rest of the time going backwards or just didn't do exactly what I thought they were going to do. So it was not a great week um, at Vegas, and that's the risk we take with you know not having practice. If their setups are bad, then you're in for a long day, and you're going to know it pretty close to when the race starts. So um, this week we get Phoenix. Um you know, one of my favorite races to watch, typically simply for the chaos that happens in the dogleg um, on restarts and <laughs> laps following that. Um, it's also one of the quicker races on an oval. Like, these 312 laps fly by basically every time. 
it's only a one mile track, right? Yeah. Um, so to clarify, because uh, folks who are new or may not pay attention, there this is the Instacart 500 this weekend uh, for Cup. Um, the numbers in the race numbers this weekend are for kilometers. Mm-hmm. The one mile races and the road courses are measured in kilometers, so 500 kilometers for the Instacart. Uh, 500, and that's because 312 miles, which is 312 laps around a one-mile track, makes 500 kilometers. So there's your math lesson for the week. Um, but yeah, we get Phoenix, uh, which also means, by the way, a return to 750 horsepower low downforce cars. So we get a little bit more speed in there, a little bit more slipping and sliding. Um, so that should be that should be fun. Um, all right, so. I guess we can just start previewing the races in a little bit. Is there anything else you wanted to go over other than program notes? Any big news? I know we got Bristol Dirt coming up. We do have Bristol Dirt in two weeks. Um, We have Atlanta next week. Um, Scheduling notes for Atlanta, we'll get those out of the way now. The weekend's going to be a little bit chopped up, I think, um, because I have my home league 21-team baseball draft. Um that weekend on Saturday and normally I would be in Atlantic City for that but we are not going to Atlantic City this year we're doing um, we're doing it on Zoom so I get to spend 12 hours on a Saturday doing an auction baseball draft that's, that's awful on Zoom uh, I like it I well let me put it this way I like it in person I have not experienced this on Zoom yet but I probably will hate it uh, so the playbook will be out probably Friday night um, either that or Dan will be covering it, depending on if he's going to the race or not. Uh, I'm going to go to the cup race. Well, that's not official yet, but I'm almost certain I'm going to the cup race. I'm not going to the truck and Xfinity races, sadly. I will do those when NASCAR comes back to Atlanta in July. Right. So we'll we'll sort out the, the schedule for next week. Um, but Dan might be covering the cup playbook on Saturday, depending on my schedule, if I can't get it out Friday. Um, but this week, the track breakdown write-up is already out. came out earlier on Thursday. We're, we're recording this a day later. Dan wasn't feeling great Wednesday. He's made a quick recovery. Did. Um, so, you know, and then he'll have the typical, uh, his coverage for truck and Xfinity, uh, DFS rankings, projections, cup playbook, core plays, best bets, all of that good stuff is coming out from me over the weekend. All right. So we will just start talking Phoenix. Um, once again, not going to preview every single driver in the field. That's what the playbook is essentially for. But uh, we can talk Xfinity really quick. I haven't looked incredibly close at uh, the, the salaries and everything. I saw that Justin Allgaier for the Xfinity race was <clears throat> priced up at 12000 Uh He's starting P12. Uh I think this is just another fade spot for Allgaier. I know this is one of his better tracks uh, since March of 2017. He's led at least 50 laps at Phoenix in six races. That is six of eight. Six of the last eight Phoenix races, he's led at least uh, 50 laps. Uh, he's generally finished pretty well here. Uh, he's won two of those races. He's gotten plenty of top fives here but at the same time you know when he's dominating these races he's typically starting up front and phoenix is a track that if you get we said it last week with vegas if you get the clean air 
you can run away with uh, the race, especially in the third stage. I think that was one of the biggest knocks when they announced that they were moving the race from Miami to Phoenix was that whoever gets the clean air at the end can essentially just run away with a championship. Uh, so right now, as of Thursday night, I don't know if I'm going to be playing a lot of Justin Allgaier. I really haven't liked how he's looked. I mean, I've written him up in the playbook a couple times and just acknowledged that he's had a lot of bad luck recently. Um, <clears throat> even last week at Las Vegas, he started 37th and only finished 14th, and he was $11,000. Uh, so at 12000 you know, he's going to really need to win, and he's going to need to get you some Dominator points to uh, really pay off the salary. So I don't know if I'm necessarily on board with that yet. I'd rather go down to drivers like Austin Sindrick, uh, AJ Allmendinger. We've got Ty Gibbs in this race, who is going to be a very chalky play. He is almost twice the salary he was for the first race he was in at Daytona Road Course a couple weeks back. Can, can you blame him, though? Not really. No, He won that race <laughs> and looked yeah. really good. So but I can't Ty blame him for helping Ty will be in the star car for JGR this week, and he's starting uh, 27th. Another driver I like at just $300 less than Ty Gibbs is Ryan Sieg. Sieg is a guy who can run in the top 10 for most of the race, and he's he's had some like weird luck finishing races, but starting 31st and he's $300 less, I may turn to Sieg a little bit more just to get a slight leverage play. Um and yeah, once again, the the value kind of uh, kind of sucks. Timmy Hill is in play at fifty five hundred at starting P thirty nine, and he's got the dad narrative. Yeah, he's got the new dad energy going. Yeah. Um, so um, he posted on Twitter, he's a new dad. So, congrats, congrats. to yeah. Timmy Hill and his wife. Uh, and that new dad energy is not a joke, man. We've seen that. <clears throat> we've seen it in across all sports over the last couple of years. If you've been paying attention, like. NBA, NHL, NFL, MLB, even NASCAR, right? Austin Dillon won the race out of the blue the weekend his kid was born. Um, so, yeah, new dad energy is nothing to mess with. Right. Um, so, right now for Phoenix, early thoughts that I will likely fade Allgaier. I think this is a week that I'm probably off Noah Gragson as well, but we'll see once I just dig a little bit deeper. Uh, kind of need to just take a different approach because I've taken a pretty stiff beating the last couple of races. Oddly enough, I didn't have any confidence in last week's Xfinity race at Vegas. And that was actually the one I did the best at. So I'll hang my head on that overall. Not the greatest start for me DFS wise. So I may mix it up and try some new strategies this week. Stay tuned for the playbook. But with that, we can turn our attention to the cup race, Matt. Yeah. I, uh, I tried a new strategy this week. I shaved off the beard. I went anti playoff beard this week. That's true. So we'll see if that turns a little bit of luck around. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see. I feel we can only like, describe it so much on a podcast. I feel like um, I read the Homestead race correctly. I just didn't have nearly enough William Byron. Uh, and then I don't think anybody read the Vegas race correctly. So I'm not sure exactly who won the contests. <laughs> but, you know, Larson fans are pretty happy with that call. Um, yeah, the Vegas race, I wrote up some interesting facts uh, about strategy and how we're attacking this race in the track breakdown. Um, a little bit of snidbits. Dan was talking about how track position is king here. That's true. In the cup race, in the last five cup races, there have been, that leads 50 top 10 spots, right, in the last five cup races. 32 of those top 10 finishing spots were taken up by guys who started in the top 12. 
That's 64% of the top 10 in the last five races here has been taken up by guys who started in the top 12 starting spots. So if you start up front, you're likely going to finish that way. However, that doesn't mean you can't find position differential. In each of the last four or five races, there have been several guys that have moved up at least six spots a race. Um, but they're moving, starting further back and moving into the, the 20s and teens. So, you know, it's kind of an odd way to split the field. But if you look at the top third of the field, they're basically going to finish there. They're just going to shuffle around. Then if you look at everybody else, there's a pretty reasonable chance that they're going to move up. Um there are only three guys in the cup field this week that have averaged more than six spots of race in position differential in the last four, um, which is pretty low. Typically, I mean, typically we see at least a handful and that's, we've only got three this week. So um, getting guys starting further back um, is a way we can go, but we're not going to rely on that quite as much as we have in the past. We also need to get some laps led dominators. There's been at least two drivers in the last five races to lead 50 laps a race each or more. Uh, there's really only been one race with more than one guy leading 100, and that was the championship race last year. Um, and the fastest laps are pretty well sp spread out here um, pretty evenly. So... Um, that's kind of the way we're going for it. On FanDuel, we're still looking at finishing position as the top thing we're looking for and then throw in a little bit of position differential if you can get a guy to go out and lead 100 laps and awesome that'll help you a little bit on FanDuel but it's mostly a DraftKings play at that point so that's kind of the strategy we're looking at here um, there's some interesting price points that we can talk about still have not figured out my stance on Kevin Harvick yet for this week um, um, statistically not... speaking, this is his best track. He's won here nine times in his career. Um, shockingly, his 5.8 average finish in the last four races is only third best in the field. Um, tied for third best in the field. Um, so, you know, there are a couple of guys who are doing it better than him. Though one of them only has three races, that would be Kyle Larson. So it's a little bit of an advantage for him, but... I don't know. I mean, fourteen grand on FanDuel and eleven nine on DK. He's starting eighteenth. So I'm getting a little. The... I'm. I'll get some exposure because I wanted to kind of kick off and talk about SHR and what your approach to those cars would be this week. Just because, again, some they're some of them are well, they're all adding pretty uh, decent PD upsides. Yeah, they all suck. Lineup. So they're starting from the back. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> But at the same time, like Harvick's probably Harvick's easily the one that you're most confident in starting just based on the pedigree. But you know, I, Chase Briscoe has to show us something. Um, yes. I'm not opposed to Cole Custer uh, in a GPP lineup, maybe because what about like, Almirola starting? In the I, I don't really want to touch Almirola only because he's looked like dog crap. He's starting in the mid 30s though. Yeah, but then I feel like more people would be inclined to start Almirola than Custer or Briscoe, and if I'm that's that's fair. Or better GPP plays, I might go to Custer just because like who's who's gonna play him after last week? Yeah, he went. He dropped like he was tied to a lead balloon. But um, then there's also the there's you're still running the same risk that they could easily just come out with like the wrong setup once again. But at the same time, like I still I want a couple shares of Kevin Harvick at the very least because he's done so well here previously. Yeah. 
And I know that, you know, he's, he's done pre- well previously here, but that was with the benefit of practice and qualifying and be able, being able to make adjustments to the car and get it right. But, you know. And he, he also usually, by the way, starts about seventh. So he's yeah. starting about 11 spots further back than he normally does. So it's a comparative argument to why I don't really want to play Allgaier. Right. Because play starts higher than 12th at, at Phoenix and Xfinity. And while he's dominated and, and led a ton of laps here in the past, you know, I just haven't liked what I've seen this year. And he's still Kevin Harvick, so I'm just going to get some shares of him right. from my Chrome Horn lineups just a little bit. But I will, I will temper expectations once again until that entire team just shows us something. Yeah, I mean, he's also 11-9 on DK, which is going to force your hand to play, like, two $6,000 drivers. Um, you know, the fourteen grand on FanDuel isn't all that prohibitive, given you only have five drivers and their salaries are pretty ridiculous. Um, but the 11-9 on DK is going to get a little prohibitive uh, for you. So that's kind of an interesting... Guy to look at. Almarola is probably going to be the most popular play, I would guess. I'd be fine with that. He's nine grand on DK and eight grand on Vandal, and he's starting like what thirty fourth, thirty um, second, somewhere in there. Um, he's got a pretty good history here. He's his average finish in the last four races here <clears throat> is, is uh, basically twelfth, though he does go back about a spot and a half a race. But again means he's starting 10th typically. So if the guy has middle of the pack speed, but he's starting in the back of the pack, that's going to be the intrigue there. But I'm with Dan. I probably won't have Obi Lighter on the field than Almar- on Almarola because um, he also hasn't looked. that He has not had nearly the speed in his car this year as he had last year when he was like on the pole every other week. He needs to finish 15th. For 5x value which he can do he can uh, do but he hasn't done it this year no he so has three three of the last four races have finished outside the top 30 and i'm fine missing on briscoe for a week until he shows me something because let's face it the kid hasn't shown me anything say what you will about clint boyer in the 14 car at least that car was competitive and in the top 10 quite a bit last year, and that same car is not doing jack with Chase Briscoe behind the wheel. It tracks it. Briscoe ran pretty well at in the Xfinity Series, so um, that'll that'll be a pretty good wrap on Stuart Haas. Um, Who are you looking at this week for Dominators? I really do like Kozlowski. Starting up front, it's kind of hard not to like the pole sitter in <clears throat> Phoenix. Um, his cars look really good. Like if you're looking at his DK performances, I mean, yeah, you know, even at Miami when he started seventh and finished sixteenth, you know, he still had 28 fast laps, 47 laps led. I mean, he didn't hit 5x value, but you know, in the first four races this year, his lowest output was 42 points, and he and you know, he he got dominator points in that race, and you know, he's led at least 25 laps in each of the last two races, and he's on the pole finally. Yeah, exactly. Um, the polls that are may not have, you know, clinched wins here as much as the track position would say it would, but Kozlowski's got a really nice history here. He's also capable of leading quite a few laps uh, up front 
remember last year he had dominant cars at similar tracks like Richmond and New Hampshire. He absolutely just lapped the field in New Hampshire and Richmond and then brought that same car to the championship and never really got the clean air he needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can make the argument that he was pretty consistently the second best car in that track that night behind Chase Elliott. So, um, Chase Elliott is an interesting case for me this week. Um, obviously, he's coming off a championship at this track in November. Started right? so, dead last. Yeah, he did not. Yeah, he definitely started dead last because he got um, had some tech issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, or an unapproved adjustment, I think. Um, this time, he's starting inside the top ten. But here's the thing. Even with that win, his average finish in the last four races is 15.3. Um, you know, it's... So I don't know if you go, well, he figured it out for the championship. But also keep in mind, he was the first one to clinch a spot in the championship. Mm-hmm. So he had two full weeks of simulator time not caring about the other races to just sit there and try to dial that car in. And so let's say they bring the same package this week, same setup. It may not work because the temps are different in March than they are in November in Phoenix. So he's he's probably going to be a pretty popular play. That car <clears throat> has looked really quick. Um, I mean, let's keep in mind. last week when he was fast and then his team made some stupid <clears throat> call to bring him in and fix damage. That was not For, hurting the car. It was not hurting the car, and they gave up track position, and they right. could never. They never really gained they it back. They never got it back. Yeah, he drove that car from the middle of the pack to the front of the pack with that damage, and then they said, "Okay, let's bring it in and fix the damage," and then forfeited the track position, and the car was never that fast again. It, I, it still. His crew chief is still making befuddling decisions (laughs) that has literally cost the man like five wins in the last year and a half. Like he literally gave up the Coke 600 for a stupid pit stop last year. Um, So Chase is still an interesting guy to look into this week. I'll have to see exactly where I come down on him. He's also 11-5 on DK. So again, you're going to have to get laps led out of him. Um, for sure. Um, I don't know what to think of Christopher Bell right now. I have him currently in my single entry lineup. I mean, he's starting what fourth? He's starting fourth. Um, price tag is really nice for a guy starting fourth. He's 8,100 on DK and 8,500 on FanDuel. But yeah, I mean, like. He can only, he doesn't have, he's not offering PD, so it's like he really needs to hold the position or do better. Right. Um, or get you some laps led and fastest laps, which he can do. He's done it at this track in Xfinity. But he's looked good this year. He has looked pretty good, but he also has Denny Hamlin, who we saw dominate here two years ago when he absolutely had to have a race to dominate. He did it. Kyle Larson has been wicked fast, and this has not been a bad track for Kyle Larson. Kislowski's pretty good. They're all starting in front of him. And by the way, he's got Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Busch, who's been a world beater at this track in the last four and eight races. So, 
I don't know. It's kind of an interesting spot. I think he's going to be a forgotten man at that mm-hmm. spot. And so if you want to do a leverage play, then I think Bell is the perfect fit. But I don't know exactly where I'm coming down on if I see him leading laps and getting you the stuff that you're going to need from him. I mean, on FanDuel, you can just go, okay, if he finishes basically where he started or a couple spots back, then he's fine. But on DK, I still think you're going to need some sort of extra oomph there from him. Why don't you think that they uh, moved Carl Larson's price at all? He was 9,400 last week starting third, and he went on to really dominate the race. Uh, This week he is just $200 more. uh, No, he's $9,600. He's $9,600, so he is $200 more uh, starting on the front row. Why Why is he still so cheap? Um, because like they don't want you to play him. It's because DraftKings, I think, spent too much time manipulating other people's salaries. Fair. And, and then just forgot to do his, maybe? I don't know. Or it's the fact that he's got basically zero history of leading laps here. Um, I mean, even if you go back the last seven races for Kyle Larson, he averages 10.1 laps led per race and 11.6 fastest laps. That's basically nothing right uh in the last three races for kyle larson he's got 0.7 laps led per race and 0.3 fastest laps per race so if they're just going off the fact well we expect this guy to finish well but not lead a bunch of laps then i guess that's where the i i don't know it's a goofy price for me to see, he, for example, he's only $600 more than Eric Almarola, who's got, like, 20 potential spots of PD. So the pricing there seems like a mismatch. Like, Well, so if, if we're looking just at, like, track history, I mean, for Kyle Larson, you know, even at Vegas, you know, in his other nine races prior to Sunday, last Sunday's win, he had only led, like, 26 laps he had finished in the top three three times but for the most part like the finishing results were good like he had plenty in the top 10 right um but you know he he just really hadn't looked dominant can we are we really look still considering track history when you know it this is one of those it's just a season where drivers have to show up and race and he is a wheel man he'll race anything Mm -hmm. uh, and it's the best equipment that he's ever had you know not to say that the chip canassi stuff was bad you know he won races in that but these Hendrick cars look phenomenal, and his car looked great last week. So, you know, I, I say track history be damned. I mean, he's he's got a really fast car right now, and he's 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 a yeah. driver that can show up anywhere and just race. I'm not saying that we completely bank on the track history because obviously track history, <clears throat> you know, would tell you that Kevin Harvick is a lock, right? Yep, to do point. well at Vegas and to do well at Phoenix, and who the hell knows what the setup's going to be, right? Locks have also told you to play Kyle Busch every single week because his track history at every track is really good, except we know that that guy needs practice to be any kind of Kyle Busch, and he hasn't been getting it. So I'm not weighting these guys solely on track history. I'm just saying if that's how DraftKings is doing their algorithm is a big chunk of it, and he doesn't offer PD, and he's not leading laps here historically, not saying he won't on Sunday, because he probably will, Um, that could be why the price is there. 
Either that or they're fortune tellers. They can see into the future, Dan, and they know exactly who's going to do what, and they're baiting you with that price on Kyle Larson. All right, another driver that they might be baiting you, uh, baiting us with, uh, Ryan Blaney, starting PA. He's only 9,300. Um, it's the cheapest he's been all year. Hasn't been under 10K yet. Now that he's he – And he had a, a good, good Vegas race. Very good Vegas race. Uh, started 26th, finished in the top five, 16 fastest laps. He was 10,800 last week, and he got 67 fantasy points. He's 1,500 less this week because he's starting inside the top 10. Uh, whether it's track history or what, how do you feel about Blaney this week? He kind of he he um, he kind of feels like he's the Alex Bowman of this week. Kind of like what Bowman was last week. I feel like it's Blaney this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind Blaney this week. I think he tends to show up and do pretty well at Phoenix as long as he's not putting it in the wall, which he kind of can do from time to time. But that being said, he still has three top ten finishes here in the last four races. So, um. Yeah, I really do like Blaney. I think he's a guy. It'll be interesting to see what the ownership is on Blaney, being that they dropped the price on DraftKings, and he's starting in the top 10 at a track where top 10 starting spots uh, are premium. Yes. Um, I would certainly, let me put, okay, let me ask you this. Who are you higher on this week, Blaney or Logano, who are starting basically next to each other, and there's $1,800 difference on DraftKings, but Logano has a more stable track history here, but Blaney has the upside track history. So, so well, I guess this is a good time to talk about it, because I was thinking about taking a more balanced approach with my lineups this week. And so if you're kind of reading into what I'm laying down, that means I would probably lean towards Blaney. Right, because with, the, with four guys in the mid-tier. Yeah, and there, there are two drivers that I do like this week for PD, and they're not far off from Blaney's price tag, and they're Alex Bowman and Matt Benedetto. I liked what I saw from Matty D's ride last week with the, with the dog socks. Um, he just, once again, had bad luck. So, I mean, you can play like Blaney, Bowman, Benedetto, and you can still have 7,800 left over. You could throw in Kyle Busch, a guy who's, or not Kyle Busch, but Kurt Busch, who's 7,700. You could go with Chris Busher, who's 6,400, and that leaves you with 9,400, where you could go with, you know, William Byron or Christopher Bell. It's a balanced lineup, or you could just go down from, you know, Chris Busher or Kurt Busch or Benedetto Bowman. You You can build a really good balanced lineup with potential guys who could come out of nowhere and dominate the race and you still get some PD plays as well. So, um, so it's an interesting point you bring up about Bowman because the question is, do we go based off of what we've seen on the track this year? Or do we go based off of track history here? Because he's in the same equipment, right? Basically. I mean, the car number changed, but essentially it's the same equipment. So, you know, Bowman hasn't historically done very well at his home track. He does tend to go backwards here. Now, he's starting further back than he normally does. Um, but I'd be much more inclined to play to Benedetto at basically the same price and basically the same starting spot. Um, I'd also like Tyler Reddick a couple of spots further back. I think he's a guy who could be pretty fun to watch here. Um and I am all about Chris Busher this week. Um, he runs here very well. 
typically I like what I've seen from that car in terms of speed uh, through most of the season. So, yeah, I think we can definitely build fairly balanced lineups. I don't know that there's... Uh, obviously, for GPPs, um, you're likely going to need a lap slide dominator, so you're going to have to spend up a little bit for that. Right. But even so, Brad's only 10-4, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're spending massive bucks to get him. Denny Hamlin's less than 10000 and we've seen that guy run away from people at Phoenix. Um, Truex is 10-1. We've seen that guy lead... Uh, in Phoenix, not to the degree of some others, but he he's capable of putting down fastest laps. Um, and I'm not that, trying. And if somebody just wants like a free lineup, you can you can on DraftKings you can fit Blaney, Larson, De Benedetto, Kurt Busch, Chris Busher, and William Byron in the same lineup. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. I really yeah. do like what I've seen from William Byron too. I, I I'm not a William Byron guy. I I know I've crapped on him in previous years, but yeah, he's 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 looked really good this year. And you know, we talked about how you let it off at the beginning of the track breakdown that this is a track it's, it's kind of similar to what we saw last week in Vegas like after the Xfinity race when we all kind of realized like all right, PD plays didn't really pay off. Like really it's like these guys that are starting in the top 12 like you know, the lowest guy I have starting in this lineup is De Benedetto starting 20th. And then four of the other six drivers are all starting in the top 12. Yeah. I mean, that's, that <clears throat> tends to be, and you'll see when I put out the playbook and I put out those DK and FanDuel points by starting spot, the graphs this week are heavily skewed towards the, the guys starting towards the front of the pack. I mean, there's only on DraftKings. There's really only two uh, positions that are above the average point total in the last five races, and that's twenty second and thirty first. Everybody else is below average, and just about every starting spot in front of twentieth is at or above average. So, including the pole sitter, which ranks number one on both sites. Uh, in case you were wondering, so that plays <laughs> into Brad Keselowski's hands. There, the guy starting second, by the way. Ranks second on both sites. Uh, guy starting fourth ranks third or fourth on both sites. So you get the idea. Guy starting towards the front of the pack uh, tend to do pretty well here at Phoenix. So there's not really um, any, you know, hey, who's the key guy in the back of the field that we need to absolutely play this week? One yes. guy I will give you if you need an absolute dumpster dive. J.J. Yaley. I'm not going to disagree with you only because I'm considering him for the Xfinity race, but at the same time, in at the cup level, I really don't like going this low. I know you don't, and I don't either, but if you absolutely <clears throat> need one because you put yourself in a position where you've played all of the big names starting in the top 12 and you didn't get a guy like Christopher Bell, who's 8,100, or Byron, who's 8,300... Um, or Blaney, who's 9,300, if you went with all the above $10,000 dudes, uh, you're going to need a guy like J.J. Yaley. And the reason why I throw out J.J. Yaley, remember, about 20 minutes ago I said, there's only three dudes in the Cup Series who average better than six spots of position differential a race. One of them is Kyle Larson, who can't possibly get you six position differential points this week because he's starting second. Um, Another is... Chris Busher, which is why I'm high on Chris Busher. The third one 
is J.J. Yaley, who in the last three races at Phoenix has an average finish of 28.3 and a PD of 6.4. So... I don't know if I can do it in Cup. It's not... It's, it's gonna make you, it's gonna make you throw up, right? But he's starting thirty fourth, and if you add six spots, that's twenty eighth, which is his average finish, and he's fifty two hundred bucks. So take a shot if you have to. You should be able to construct your lineup where you don't have to count on a guy like JJ Yaley moving up and not like you know having a JJ Yaley day. Um, but that's about the only guy starting outside the top twenty. I'm really looking at aside from. Eric Almarola because it's Stuart Haas machinery. It should be better than what it was last week. It just should be. Um, who are some other? <clears throat> we'll wrap it up with just some value plays. But who are some other cheap punts ish that you might target? Like I do like Ryan Priest at fifty six hundred and Ricky Stenhouse at fifty five. I know Ricky comes with you know hazard warnings. I was uh, right on Ricky Stenhouse last week, though. And you that, were, that's but he's... the only thing I was correct on. You know, he started off with four straight top 20s. He's He finished 13th at Miami, 11th last week at Vegas. You know, it's, it's not like the point output is great, but at the same time, he's only 5,500 this week. And five grand on FanDuel, so he's even cheaper on FanDuel. <laughs> so it's it's like, if, you, if you're looking for the guys that are starting pretty well... Stenhouse and Prees have that. Um, if you need more PD... You know, there's there's Daniel Suarez and Anthony Alfredo, but I really hope you don't have to go that route. Yeah. I wouldn't. Um, maybe Ross Chastain? <laughs> um, I know he's 6,900, but that's not nice. <laughs> I tried to bait you on that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> Eric Jones? Can we go to the – can we go Eric Jones? Again, yeah, like seven thousand is not terrible. Neil really good his, last week. His price is a whole thousand dollars higher on Bandle. He's still fifty seven hundred. So, <laughs> um, I really just like. I mean, Chris Busher at sixty four hundred is really hard to look past. Um, there, I think McDowell's turning a bit more into a pumpkin each each week. Um, and they admitted it at Vegas that they expect to come back down to earth. Um, So when the team is telling you that, kind of suggest you should probably uh, lean a little bit off of them. Uh, Timmy Hill! New dad energy, why not? 4,800 bucks. No, I can't do it (laughs) I know Big Day already said he's off of Timmy Hill because I think his engine quit like 17 laps into Vegas race (laughs) last week. Um, I think what may have happened is that might have been an excuse. He may have gotten the call. His wife was going into labor and needed to get off the track. Yeah. That may have been what it was because I don't, they didn't say anything about an, an engine issue or anything for Timmy Hill on the broadcast. And all of a sudden he was just off and nothing was said. Nobody knew why. So maybe he got the call that, Hey, you should probably hop on the charter flight home. (laughs) Um, because it just kind of surprises me that the race was on Sunday. Somehow he pulls off the track, and then we're talking Thursday, and like literally this morning, he tweeted out a picture of a couple day old kid. So the timeline works. So who knows? Take a shit and take 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 a stab at Timmy Hill if you must. 
Like if there if I can't convince you to not play Horvick and Kislowski and Logano to the point where you need Timmy Hill, then we've got a problem. <laughs> 